0: 5000 to 1 is brought to you by Bet365, the world's favourite online betting company. By downloading the Bet365 app, you can access both pre-match and in-play markets, along with instant match updates for all games. The Bet365 Bet Builder also allows you to make personalised bets via the app, so you can bet on multiple scenarios and create your own bet with unique odds right there in your hands. Bet365 is the world's favourite online sport betting company. The app can be downloaded from Google Play and Apple App Store. Over 18s only, please gamble responsibly. Welcome to 5000 to 1, the Athletics Leicester City podcast. I'm Rob Tanner. Joining me as ever is my co-host and Leicester City legend, Matt Elliott. Matt, how are you doing?
1: I'm great, Rob. Thank you. Better than you've been of late. Have you recovered from your bout of illness?
0: Yes, I I was a little bit poorly, but uh, I'm fighting fit now and ready to go. Looking forward to this podcast.
1: Yes, of course, as always. It's, uh, It's always lovely to have a chat with yourself.
0: <laughs> Wonderful. Well, well, let's get going, shall we, Matt? Well, let's, let's kick yeah. off because the action is coming thick and fast since uh, the restart of the Premier League. Uh, a game every few days for Leicester City, and uh, certainly is a game to watch every day. But let's uh, focus on Leicester City and uh, their recent visit to Arsenal, where they picked up a valuable point, only their second ever Premier League point at Arsenal. I mean, they've never won there since 1973. I mean, overall you would have said before that game to get a point there, considering that record and considering the form of Arsenal and considering Leicester's form going into that game as well, although they did have that fine win against Crystal Palace, that you'd probably take that point, but it was such a a seesaw sort of game, wasn't it? First half, Arsenal could have been out of sight. Second half, it was all Leicester and they probably might feel a bit disappointed they didn't win it overall.
1: Yeah, It's strange, isn't it, How. viewpoints and emotions change within the course of a game. I I, I agree with you. I think beforehand, for me, a draw was the likeliest result. Uh, You never know which way it's going to unfold. But um, earlier in the season, at the King Power, it was one of those rare occasions where I genuinely felt that Leicester were the favourites to win the game against Arsenal. Now, I don't remember that happening, certainly in, in in my time in association with Leicester City. As the the results bear out, but I, I thought last night you know, against um, Arsenal, you thought, yeah, okay, the way things have gone of late, Leicester sort of growing into this restart, aren't they a touch? And I think they showed that last night. They grew into the game a little bit. Well, they started reasonably well to be fair, and then came under a bit of pressure, and it looked ominous, didn't it? Casper Schmeichel, in tremendous form saved his team, but then Leicester took control in the second half, really, and with or without the extra man, you know, the red car from Ketia, you know, I thought Leicester were dominant and, and fully worthy of their point, ultimately, but lots of points to discuss you know, within the frame of the game.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, first half, Arsenal could have been three or four up, couldn't they? I mean, Brendan's gone with this three at the back system at the moment. Um, he's playing Michael Brighton as a left wing back because Ben Chilwell's injured. And it, it just doesn't seem, for me, it doesn't seem to be working, but he's picked up four points in those two games that he's adopted this system, but it's still, they don't look as solid as they did before. No,
1: it, it worked very well, you have to say, against Crystal Palace. I think they caught Palace by surprise, really, and that they struggled to adapt to it for, you know, the last part of the game. And then obviously Leicester got the breakthrough and there was only going to be one winner. Different proposition against Arsenal away, isn't it? You're, you're looking at it, they're front three, Arsenal, you know, takes some containing, doesn't it? Aubameyang, Lacazette, Saka, who's a, a wonderful prospect, isn't he? And, um, they, yeah, they struggled to say the least. Um, I, I was asked to name the team uh, before the game yesterday, just in private conversation, and I, I went for Fuchs as, as left wing back. I thought, all things considered, you know, is it a little bit of a gamble? Obviously, all Brighton can do a job there, but he's a forward-thinking player primarily, and I just thought he'd give that extra insurance, Fuchs, if you like, because at times. Leicester, which they didn't do often enough in the first half, defenders a back five. Mm. It's it's all well and good having the three, you know, extra security in that central area. But you still need to defend the wide areas. And Leicester got too stretched too often and it was literally three against three. And it was uh, that's a little bit of a gamble from a defensive point of view, especially when they are the quality that the Arsenal players uh, possess. Soyentia in particular had one of those nights where he looked out of sorts, wasn't sure whether to stick or twist. And he had a couple of stumbles and things just weren't going his way generally. And you know, even Johnny Evans, normally calm and composed, looked to be under a bit of pressure. Bennett, who was impressive when he came on on Saturday, all of a sudden he, he was getting exposed because you know, lack of support really from from the um, the wingbacks in particular. I think they were sort of hesitant to drop back and defend as that five and be more secure.
0: I mean, Suyuncu in particular in the last two games in this new system doesn't look himself. He's been outstanding all season alongside Johnny Evans. He's settled into that role. But now he seems to be being dragged out into a left-back position. He's looking exposed. He's then one-on-one and he's struggling. I wonder whether he needs to rethink that.
1: I when, the, it's good when you're going forward, the wing-backs push on if they're attack-minded, which they are. The centre-hearts, all of a sudden, You've Got a different remit, especially the outside center halves, and they need to push into those fullback areas you just mentioned, you know, to support the wing back when he's going forward. But also, when play breaks down, sometimes you find yourself in wide areas. Now, it's a different proposition, a different problem to deal with. It, it, it's easy when you defend deep as a back three, stroke a back five, because basically you've got that extra man, the wing backs drop into fullback position. But it's when you're going forward, um, you know, on the transition, as people say, then you're likely to get more exposed. And I think they they got caught between two stools on a number of occasions. Soinshu in particular didn't seem to be enough solid communication between the back three. You know, you've got to be chatting and giving info, info. You know, when, for instance, Perez is on the ball, you've got to organise yourself in preparation for what might be coming your way. And I think it was more reactive uh, than pre-planned, really, and uh, when you do that against top-class teams, you can get exposed. And uh, Leicester, you have to say, you know, in that mid-period of the first half, were very fortunate to not to go further behind.
0: Well, absolutely. Casper Smikle has been in outstanding form since the uh, the restart. He's arguably been uh, Leicester's best player. Uh, which you wouldn't have said in the the first part of the season when they, it was all out attack every week and he he had very little to do. But uh, uh, thankfully uh, they were only um, a goal behind at the break, and I thought they started the second half a lot better, even before the red card reduced Arsenal to ten oh, men. Yeah. But what, what what was your view of that? Uh, the red card, the tackle on JJ.
1: I think it was unfortunate. Like when I first saw it, I thought, Oof, you know, "That's going to hurt." And I, I thought it was more an impact around the the rib cage sort of area, but then mm. you see it from a different angle, which, you know, is, is the beauty of, of modern day technology, I suppose. And, you know, it, it was reckless. It, 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 you know, it, I, I don't think there was too much malice in it, but clumsy, threatening the safety of a player, I think is the actual term that you would probably relate to that, that challenge. And I, I think ultimately it, it was pretty straightforward. Red, a short header from sorry, aren't you really, that put James Justin in that situation, but Nketiah's coming, maybe his timing's not quite there, just come on, I don't think he'd actually touched the ball. When you saw the angle of it, it it could have been really nasty because he's caught, luckily Justin's leg has bent, folded inwards a little bit, but that could have been sort of hyper-extended and that could have been a really serious injury. And I think, apologetic that Nketiah was, Mm. I think he sort of realised, "Oops, I've made a ricket there. Unintentional as it was, I think it was straightforward in my view.
0: But it took ages for the VAR to even say to the referee, you might want to go and have a look at that yourself. And once the referee yeah. gone over and looked at the monitor, he, I think he looked at it for two seconds and decided it was a straight red. Yeah, it's that's, bizarre, that's isn't
1: it? Again, the inconsistency comes, you know, comes forward, doesn't it? Because, as I say, had the luxury of seeing replays from different angles, as did VAR, of course. I, I can't see why it took them so long to... Well, I was going to say to make a decision, but they didn't. They were inconclusive, you know, undecided. So they put the onus on the referee. And the referee, when he saw what we were able to see, straight away, he was like, oh, hang on. Why did I not give that in the first place? How did I not see that? That That is a red. So really, I think VAR should have... I know that a lot of people like the referee to make a decision, and I can see why, but VAR should have taken it out of his hands and not put the pressure on him there because... <laughs> You know, it, it was clearly a red from from that angle, and that's not just because it's slow motion, etc. Looks worse than it is. Then people say, well, it's not clear and obvious if they had to look at like replays and give it to the ref to decide. So, you know, there's a case for Arsenal, and Michael, Mikel Arteta tried to make that, but not convincingly, in my mind.
0: <laughs> well, what about his case against Jamie Vardy for the challenge on Mustafi just before half-time as well? He was adamant that should have been a red card. The little coming together, Vardy's rolling over after the contact and catches Mustafi in the face with his stud.
1: Yeah, Some views are blinkered intentionally, aren't they? And some, some are genuine, and it seemed genuine with Arteta. I think with Jamie Vardy incident, if I'm totally honest... I think he was a little bit fortunate you know again yeah. the challenge has gone in there's a coming together between him and mustafi you know jamie likes to let defenders know he's about you know he treads to fight line at times jamie but that's part of his game and part of the reason why he is such you know a tough opponent to play against but i i personally think he's, he's tried to let for want of a better phrase let mustafi know that he's there and he's not going to be messed about left a little bit in the challenge maybe and it was a little bit belated wasn't it You know, a little bit of a semi swing of the leg I don't think there was any malice again intended because he's caught Mustafi in the face I think he's surprised himself a little bit and I think you know that there was genuine concern and it, he was apologetic straight up oh sorry about that mate you know I, I think he made maybe meant to leave a little bit on him um, but not catch him in the manner that he did because that could have been Intentional or not, it could have been really nasty, couldn't it? You know, yeah, if, if you he know, caught his especially eye. Especially with the, the studs that they have the, these days. It could have been really nasty. But you look at it, uh, did, did the VAR look at that? I would uh, imagine I they th- would have done. Yeah, they, uh, look. At, I mean, if I'm totally honest, he's probably slightly fortunate. Thankfully, Mustafi wasn't too severely hurt.
0: Well, to rub salt into the wounds, it was Vardy who popped up with the yeah. equaliser later <laughs> late on. I mean, he's got a fantastic record. I mean, think it's his tenth goal in the Premier League against Arsenal alone. Takes his tally to 102 Premier League goals and 10 of them have come against Arsenal. No wonder they tried desperately to sign him in 2016 and and he turned them down to stay at Leicester City. Um, It's a phenomenal record against one team. I mean, have you come across a player who's that potent against one opposition in their career before?
1: Uh, Not that I'm aware of, no. I mean, Jamie's probably got a half-similar record against a few teams. The West Bromwich Albion springs to mind, maybe, but... Yeah, Liverpool as well. He's got a good record against Liverpool. Yeah, Liverpool as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if there's any reason for that, we don't know. But just uh, the whole Jamie Vardy story is incredible, isn't it? Which chapter you want to pick out and and, and study uh, is up to you. He's just not surprised, whatever he does, are you really now? You know... You're surprised when things don't happen, when he doesn't score, I suppose. Yeah, Arsenal, Arsenal would have bought him and put him on the bench just so he doesn't score against him, <laughs> uh, against them, didn't he? You know, That would have been worth the money alone. But uh, yeah, it'd be interesting to see what would have happened with Jamie at Arsenal. I, people say, oh, it, it wouldn't have suited his style and that. I'm not so sure. I think they create enough chances, really, for him to convert. But we'll never know, will we? But uh, thankfully, he stayed at Leicester and what a wonderful job he's doing.
0: Well, it seemed like he was stuck on 99 for such a long time. And uh, I mean, I've, I've been writing articles in advance of him reaching his uh, his milestone century of Premier League goals, which you can read on the Athletic website now with a 30-day free trial. Just go to the theathletic.com forward slash Leicester pod. Um, it took him a bit of a, a while to get there, didn't it? He looked a bit nervous since restart. But once he got that tap in against Crystal Palace, he's looked like his old self again. He's, he doesn't seem to need many chances to find the back of the net.
1: No, that's right. I mean, he hasn't had too many clear-cut opportunities, but I, I know you're referencing. There's a few occasions where the ball's come to him, and his touch has not been as instinctive as it perhaps um, could have been or has been in previous times. And you sense that little bit of anxiety creeping in because, you know, despite him being a very single-minded and focused individual, it, it, you you can see that. It, you know, there's an element of it on his mind. Not saying it was affecting his game necessarily, but it's there. You know, you wouldn't be human otherwise. You hear bits, and then you know you can tell how much it means to him because when he did get it, there was sort of a, an exhalation of relief, wasn't there? And uh, excitement making that achievement, and he got presented with a trophy, etc. And the adulation that he got, and you know, rightly so. But it's done now. It's dusted, and it didn't take him long, did it? To uh, to get on with being a professional, where he slotted his 101st in not long after. And then, you know, bang on form again against Arsenal, which is uh, you know, great to see, because he can just get on with his own business now and concentrate on scoring goals and getting Leicester City or assisting with getting Leicester City into the Champions League.
0: Harry's sponsors 5,000 to 1, a podcast brought to you by The Athletic. You can start shaving with Harry's today by claiming your trial set for just £3.95. Support our podcast and get your set delivered to you, including a razor handle, five-blade cartridge, foaming shave gel, and a travel blade cover by going to harrys.com forward slash City right now. That's harrys.com forward slash City. We're talking about records against Arsenal. Uh, Leicester City's collective record against Arsenal away is abysmal. Absolutely Crazy abysmal. They haven't won Crazy. there since 1973. And that was only their second point, I was just said, at the top of the, the podcast. Now, you've gone to Highbury many times in your career, your Leicester City career. What, what, what is this hoodoo sure. about at Arsenal?
1: Well, I, I don't know if it's a hoodoo. I mean, they're a very good side, aren't they? Yeah. Well, they yeah, certainly were in your day. Yeah. Well, they were the best side. In the country, in, in my mind, in that period, I mean, we, we played against Man U, you know, Giggs, Beckham, Scholes, Keane, York, Cole, all, all those players. I mean, exceptional that they were. We, we managed to sort of compete against them or give ourselves a chance. Beat them once at Old Trafford and got a point another time. Arsenal, not a prayer, not a prayer. <laughs> uh, Highbury, uh, it was you know, literally was a fortress and it, it was a horrible place to go, but. Um, they, you know, they just had power and pace and athleticism and technique, but also experienced players You know, knew the game, didn't they? they? They were such a fearsome proposition. I always thought they had the upper hand against Man U around that period. And Man U did superbly well to compete you know, on that level, and obviously the treble year, etc. So um, two fine teams, weren't they? But Arsenal, Arsenal for us uh, were, were just that little bit above. It, it was it was horrible playing there. Like you used to, obviously you didn't concede defeat, but you you would go in there thinking, even with our attitude, you know the way we were, we, we used to like upsetting the big boys, upsetting the apple cart to an extent, and we reveled in it. But at Arsenal, we, you genuinely just hoped they were having an off day. <laughs> it was one of those, and something might click for you, but you didn't expect to sort of compete with them on level terms. Really, they just steamrolled. If you did have the temerity to venture into their half then that back four stroke five they had i could pretty much deal with things but it was um yeah it was an awesome prospect going now I mean, we went there one one day i think was it, it might have be been opening day of the season and we, we were one 0 up lord knows how and <laughs> lo and behold mr sinclair the Cinco kid he turned up, didn't he? And got scored one of his infamous own goals, didn't he? I think. And uh, late, I can't remember which way round it was. If I think Bergkamp scored to equalise, and then I think Frankie got a late winner for them. <laughs> uh, and we were under the, under pressure. That was our one chance of of gaining some sort of reward uh, from a trip to Highbury, but it, it ended up in Smithereens, Thanks to Frankie, who, who subsequently scored a goal against Chelsea. For Chelsea, sorry, against us at Filbert Street the week after as well. So, inauspicious you know, start from Frank and that campaign. <laughs> um, two in two, I think he got both own goals. But, um, yeah, uh, but I, 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 <laughs> it was just the prospect. Talking about Frank Sinclair, I remember one season we played there, it was quite early on in my career at Leicester. And we were like 2 0 down, something like that, at half time, 2 3 0 down already. Game's gone they brought on a certain individual, wide left at the start of the second half, Thierry Henry. <laughs> uh, at this time, he was sort of relatively unknown. He, he was obviously, you know, he was on the radar, but he he wasn't the player that he was going to become. And I said to Frank Sinclair, uh, I said, "Hey mate, watch out for this lad. I've heard he's quite quick." <laughs> right. So they've taken the kick off and just launched it over the top of Frank, who was in a outside right. Um, centre half position of the three and it's it's gone over his head and Frank was quick and all of a sudden he's running after the ball and he sees this Thierry Henry herring down the touchline, trying to get on the end of the ball and Frank's at full pelt using all his, his physicality to hold Henry off and it's just trickled out for a goal kick all right so with that's a relief and as we've turned and jogged up the pitch with a goal kick about to be taken, I looked at Frank, well, I didn't even look, I just kept looking straight ahead. I went, I told you, Frank, didn't he? he went, you're not wrong, Matty,
0: <laughs> like <laughs> that. And
1: then we looked at each other and think, God, we've got another 44 minutes of this. It was, oh, it was, it was terrifying. And another example of how good they were, I remember by this stage, we probably developed a little bit of a phobia, but in Peter Taylor's time, first game uh, under his charge at Highbury, we went there, we are being trounced. Four goals to nil, something silly, and um, we're doing well to keep it down to four. Stefan Oakes was playing in midfield, who a lot of Leicester City supporters might remember. Um, he, he was in the starting lineup, and he was getting the run around. Petit, Vieira, Overmars, all, all these players again, and he's getting a real chasing in midfield. After about 65 minutes, Oakes's number comes up, and <laughs> bear in mind, you know, he's trying to make an impression under a new manager one of the early games and Oatsy walks off the pitch, sits in the dugout and says, thank fuck for that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Excuse my language. And Peter Taylor heard him. He went, what? And Oaksie was like, oh shit. So I didn't realise the manager was there. He didn't realise he'd heard, but he didn't see Stefan Oaks play for a few games after that. It wasn't a good introduction on Stefan's behalf, but he was just relieved to get off that pitch and away from the, the chaos that was going on. But they, they were such an intimidating force, yeah. There's one little story. It's not relative to how good they were, but you might enjoy it. And it wasn't at Highbury. This was at the Walker Stadium, as it was. But we were playing Arsenal. And um, I'm not sure whether I should tell you this, but it, it's, it's, it's in the past now, so <laughs> I don't mind bringing it up. But, Go ahead, please tell. Yeah, so we're playing a playing game. I'm on the bench, as was regularly the case. Mickey Adams gave me very few opportunities in the Premier League and that campaign after we'd got promoted from the Championship. In fairness, I'd been out three months with a metatarsal fracture and, you know, struggling to get into the team. So I'm on the bench yet again, getting a little bit frustrated and fed up with not getting any opportunities. Anyway, the game's going on. And Jens Lehmann, you remember the goalkeeper, who was always quite demonstrative and quite sort of... uh, volatile wouldn't he oh, divided opinion he, he's thrown himself on the floor acting a bit of a lemon I think when um, Les Ferdinand's bumped into him I think you might remember the incident they, they sort of featured it it was laughable anyway yeah. and Arsene Wenger's on the touchline, and he's obviously backing up his goalkeeper and making a point to the referee and pontificating left right and centre I'm sat on the bench in between Keith Gillespie and Craig Hignett eating a packet of wine gums <laughs> and uh, I was sort of chomping my way through the game and all of a sudden fingers, you know, shouting this, shouting that. And obviously you've got a lot of respect for Arsene Wenger, but in the heat of battle, and I, I did something which I was technically wrong and I'm slightly embarrassed about, but it was quite humorous. I've looked at him and I've said to Keith Gillespie, oh, tell him to shut up, will you? Someone, someone tell him to shut up. I said, tell you what? And I've, I've picked a wine gum up and thrown it at him from about 20 yards, like full th- pelt. Not thinking it would really go anywhere near him. I was just doing it as a bit of a joke. But Sod's Law for me, it slapped him, slap on the back of the head. But It you, you know, it's only a wine gun, but you could hear it. <laughs> and Wenger doesn't know what's hit him, from where and why. And he's turning around looking at everyone, pointing fingers at everyone, accusing. And all of a sudden, I've just sat back in my seat. I, I realised the sort of ramifications of what I've done. Sat back in my seat and passed Keith Gillespie the packet of wine gums. I went, there there you go, mate. That's your problem. (laughs) And uh, if they had a a bench cam, as they do these days, I think I'd have been in a spot of bother. I I watched Match of the Day that night. And and thankfully, there was no evidence of it. I was sitting there with sort of bated breath. And please don't pick up on that. Please don't pick up on that. Because it it, it wasn't very respectful, in truth. But it was quite humorous, nonetheless.
0: Well, things are certainly different at Arsenal these days, I and mean, they were chasing a well, outside chance of getting into the top four, getting a Champions League spot. I mean, that point look, dropping two points against Leicester certainly has damaged their cause. But what have you made of Leicester City's push for the Champions League? Because they were in such a strong position going into the lockdown, and then coming out in the restart, the form has really been patchy. They're a side that rely a lot on their intensity, on their fitness, aren't they? To play the style that Brendan wants to play. And it seems to me it's taken them a bit of time to get back up to speed. They're, They're not as technical as some of the other sides that don't rely on that physicality in the same way. But it seems to have damaged Leicester City. But there's just signs in the last couple of performances that... Perhaps they can get them, drag themselves over that line because Man United are are, are on fire at the moment. They're steaming towards um, the Champions League spots at the moment. So it's going to be a real battle. It's going to be a nervy one, isn't it? And the last game of the season is Man United at uh, King Power mean, That's going to be a mouthwatering one. It could all come down to that one game.
1: It looks destined to be that way, doesn't it? You, You can't get away from from that final fixture of the season. Uh, Chelsea play Wolves as well, don't they, at, at the same time. So, you know, really could be an, an exciting uh, end to the season. Uh, hopefully Leicester get the job done before that. And I don't think that's an impossibility. I, I thought with the onset of the restart that Leicester would have enough. You know, I looked at it and I thought they've had enough, enough time to sort of assess the situation, regroup and really attack this this final stage, the, you know, the nine games for the end of the campaign. And that, but it hasn't really turned out to be the case, has it? You know, they've, like I said, they're growing into it possibly and the, the performances are probably coming you know, gradually better and better. You know, as much as they could have lost against Arsenal, I thought that was a decent performance all round, even in the first half. Um, a lack of cutting edge. But we didn't even mention the inacho uh, goal that was disallowed. You know, I, for me, that's a goal. I don't know whether it's Blink at Leicester City View that's coming into play there, but Kalasan hasn't done a lot wrong. In fact, if anything, has tried to impede Ian initially and come unstuck. Um that should have been a goal. Anyway, I digress. But he's been you know, a threat I, though, I think, hasn't he, Inacho?
0: Yeah, he's yeah been no, a threat i in these he, games.
1: He, he's deserved his place in the starting lineup, yeah. I mean I think also, I think it's evident that Leicester, the way they were playing was a little bit too precise, maybe. Um, as you say, that they are better when they increase the tempo. There's a bit more robustness about their play. They go and close the opposition down, etc. And they struggled to get into their stride, didn't they? And chances, by the time... it. it, it By the time Leicester were into the danger area, the other team were all set up in their defensive positions and slots. Difficult to break down. Leicester don't really have that luxury of putting crosses in, expecting to get on the end of them. Um, Not aerially, anyway. They have to sort of manipulate the ball into areas, as they did against Arsenal. You know, they create space behind the defence and it was an excellent ball in by Damari Gray. Um, I think it's all been a little bit timid and a little bit if you like they, they need to add that edge and a bit of aggression to their play not in a physical sense although that helps but just in sort of a bit more courage if you like you know a bit a bit more daring in the final pass in the the shot at goal in, in the delivery into the box you, you know pick people out and be more be more exact like that so um yeah you know, but I, th- I think they're upping the quality Game by game, you know, culminating with that game against Arsenal. You know, everyone's looking at Man U, assuming that Chelsea, who currently sit third, are nailed on for a Champions League. But I'm not so sure. That could work for for Leicester City, but ideally they'd like to do it off their own backs, wouldn't they? And I still think they're well capable of doing that. The games that they've got are becoming more winnable all of a sudden. Bournemouth are having a real struggle, aren't they? And Sheffield United have dropped out of the Champions League equation anyway, uh, struggling themselves for, for results. Tottenham, questionable application. And they, these games, it's not saying they're easy by any stretch of imagination, but they don't look quite as difficult a proposition as they did when the fixtures came out maybe, or certainly a month or so ago. But um, all to play for for Leicester. And who knows? It may even come down to the goal difference. You know That could be the difference between Leicester needing a win or a draw on the final day of the season.
0: Well, it promises to be a fascinating conclusion to the season, a real exciting one as well for Leicester City fans. They've got so much to play for in these final four games. We'll be following all the action as well at the Athletic all the way to the end and uh, giving you all the in-depth, detailed analysis of Leicester City's pursuit of Champions League football. Thank you, Matt, for joining us again this week uh, on 5000 to 1, mate. It's uh, always a pleasure to speak to you.
1: Pleasure, Rob. Thanks for having me.
0: And thank you to all the listeners. Join us again next time. Thank you.